Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast channel with me, Dr. Samantha Cotrera. On this podcast channel, you'll find a collection of my conference presentations from 2016 onward. To learn more information about this work, as well as all my work, visit my website at www.samanthacotrera.com. This paper is called Imagining a New We, Students' Complex Connections When Learning History. I presented this at the CSSE, the Canadian Society for the Study and Education Annual Conference at the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta in May 2016. This was right after I started developing or redeveloping my dissertation into a manuscript that will be out in August 2020 for UBC Press called Transforming the Canadian History Classroom, Imagining a New We. This was the first time I was representing this work for an academic audience in lieu of this work coming out as a manuscript. So it was really great to kind of reflect on a lot of these ideas. Enjoy. What I really want to be able to focus on in this paper is how much students want knowledge, want historical knowledge. And these are students that uh, some teachers are still deciding if they're good kids or bad kids. Um, but students, especially in multicultural schools, are looking for a way for them to be a part of the historical narrative, to be a part of we, because they understand themselves as Canadian. And it's often the teachers that continuously ratify that they are not Canadian that causes the tension in class. So even though I have a background in Canadian history and women's studies, I knew how important and powerful history is for understanding one's sense of self and one's sense of possibility of being in the world. Um, but I felt like students were going to be a hard sell. And when I talk about students, I'm mainly talking about high school students in Ontario. Um, uh, the grade 10 students learn their mandatory Canadian history class. So I expected that learning history was going to be a hard sell. So my first interview question with students is, do you think it's a fair assumption to make that students don't like history? And over and over and over, students said the exact same thing. It is actually important it, to learn history. It's a fair assumption that kids don't like history, but I want to learn history. And I'm just not getting that in school. And what's really important is that these aren't students that are A-level students. These are actually many students who have failed, or who were failing, um, or who the teachers are already expected were going to, that they were going to have to bell up in order to pass. So students said they wanted to learn history that was interesting and connected to their lives, but they were given content that was dry and boring. Students want, said that they wanted to be engaged in thinking about the past and thinking about people in the past, but were given, uh, they encountered instruction that resulted in simplified rather than complicated ideas about history. Students continuously said that they wanted to learn from educators who cared about them as individuals and who wanted, uh, who wanted them to learn through their teaching, but were instead encountering teachers who cared more about the curriculum than about the student's sense of self and who they were in the classroom. So in other words, students said that they wanted to learn history meaningfully, but instead were taught history as if it had nothing to do with their place or their world. Now, when I talk about meaningful learning, uh, mainly I draw on Joseph Novak. 
this is the publication date of his last book, but, um, but he's been doing this work since the 1960s. So he's defined meaningful learning as the constructive integration of thinking, feeling, and acting, leading to empowerment for commitment and responsibility. He identifies that meaningful learning needs three things, connection to prior knowledge, meaningful material, and the assent of the learner. So, this, the, so nobody can learn unless you make the choice to learn. Uh, and, that is a, as, and while the first two things are important, they're all important, this is often what I keep coming back to. If students are in a position where they're not feeling comfortable, they're not going to make the choice to learn. And so I've worked with students in the classroom where I'm co-teaching, and you can see that they make the choice to learn with one teacher, but not with the other, because of various affective dimensions about who they are in these classrooms. So these three things I continuously come back to because the students are saying they want those exact same things. When I define meaningful learning in history, so this is my definition, I define meaningful learning as learning that has significance to students' lives now and in the future, both inside and outside the classroom, framed with interpretations of the past that align with students' sense of familial or community history in and for the wider world. So I really want to situate meaningful learning in Canadian history that is about their present, their future, as well as the narratives of their past. <coughs> so what students want when they get into the classroom is they want to think about, affectively connect to, and demonstrate their learning of Canadian history in ways that has lasting resonance on their present and their future. So Joseph Novak's definition of thinking, feeling, and acting, this is exactly what the students want. They want to think, they want to feel, and they want to act through and about their Canadian history learning. Students want to learn content that connected to them and demonstrated the complexity of the world around them, taught by a teacher who is interested in their learning and to do so in a community of their peers. So here's that second part of Joseph Novak's definition. They want to connect with their prior knowledge. They want meaningful, complex material. And they want to make the choice to learn. So they want to have a teacher that invites them into that learning process. However, because students' experiences with learning history is the exact opposite of this, students wind up hating this idea of history because they see it as boring and irrelevant to their lives. So when students talked about their past experience with history, words like want and wish came up very, very frequently. They also made very astute observations about the role of the teacher as a learning gatekeeper, keeping them from particular types of knowledge for, their, for various different reasons. Students who, so I, um, I worked in classrooms, and so the students who were 15 to formally participate in the research, they needed to assent, but their parents needed to consent. Um, the students that didn't formally participate, uh, I had the I had uh, ethic uh, had the ethics for the classroom community, so I was able to hear things and I was able to use that as data. So when I say the formal participation, that's when I got both sets of consent forms. 
As a note, the students that I'm working with are already detached from this process of schooling. So for another white woman to come in with two sets of very long ethical documents, it already precluded certain students from participating in the research. And by the end of the research period, it was clear students had a better understanding of who I was, a better trust of what I was doing. And um, it, it was, it, uh, it's, still, it's still difficult that I wasn't able to, to incorporate more perspectives in this. So the students who participate in the research, um, they said that they, uh, they continuously said that this is what they wanted in their history class, but they agreed with their, student, their peers who didn't formally participate when they said they didn't actually understand the purpose of participating because it was futile anyway. They didn't see that there was going to make any change. So when faced with this apathy and resentment, we as educators develop a moral panic about the decline of reverence for the past and the place of students in understanding the future. We blame the students often, uh, their youth, their background, their interests, for not taking what we're offering. But in reality, we as adults and educators, we're not doing a good enough job to responding to and reflecting what students want and need from historical narratives. So in my research, students from different schools, different backgrounds, different experiences with education kept saying they wanted to learn history, they wanted to be engaged with history, they wanted to be taught Canadian history in ways that respected them as learners, but this is not what they were getting in their Canadian history classes. And some of these students had taken Canadian history multiple times because they had failed. Although students talked to me in simplistic terms about wanting um, interesting history and not wanting boring history, when unpacking what interesting and boring look like, it became clear that students were looking for Canadian history to connect with who they were and to demonstrate the world around them. This blend of connection and uh, complexity is what will lead to interesting learning for these students. So connection and complexity are two equally important, uh, often interacting components of a successful and meaningful Canadian history class. That means different things with different groups of students. And that's what's really important too, that these things are finessed within a particular classroom community. And in the past, when I've talked about students' desires for what they want from history education, I separate the discussion between content and instruction. But when I thought more about this idea of connection and complexity, I realized there's no, there's no separation. Students want connection and complexity in their history class, and frankly, they don't care if they get it from the content or from the, the instruction. They want this affective dimension to be able to connect. They want the safety for the complexity, and they want a teacher who appreciates both of those things in their teaching and learning. So to be clear, when I use connection, I'm using it in a particular way. Um, I'm talking about historical content that links to students' prior knowledge and links to the depth and scaffolding of their interests, identities, backgrounds, and worldviews, and or futures in ways that meet students where they are, not dumbed down for their digestion, nor self-righteously enforced as relevant. And I'll be using an example of that um, in the example I'll be giving today. They, when I talk about connection, I mean that they are given the opportunity to make these connections in verbal, written, affective, and or artistic ways. And this is through instruction, assessment, and or evaluation 
but is in a community supported by an educator who believes in the power of these connections. So I'm an educator that actually really likes to lecture. Uh, I can talk a lot about interactive teaching and learning styles, but I actually really like to lecture, and I found that a lot of students respond well to my lecturing style. So sometimes what this means is that students do a lot of collaborative work. Other times it means that there's an educator that's just providing those connections and allowing the students to make those connections through assessment and or evaluation. By complexity, I mean that content that reflects the multiplicity of human and environmental experiences that were present in the past and the present. And that's instruction that requires students to think about how the world is more than a one-dimensional story with a definitive beginning and end. And so I come from a transnational feminist perspective using critical race theory, uh, anti-racist theory, post-colonial theory, post-structuralism. So when I'm talking about complexity, it's that these ideas are invited into the classroom as counter stories that challenge the status quo, not just complement the existing narrative. So in other words, meaningful learning in history prioritizes the connections students want to make with the complexity of the world around them. Because students will leave their classrooms, they'll even just look around their classrooms. They'll see in their schools, their arenas, their temples, their mosques, a diversity, a complexity of Canadian student experiences, but this is not what they are seeing reflected in their Canadian history class. So if students are looking for this content that frames their world, then superficially adding content to the teacher fields will connect to who they are. Um, but without the scaffolding to make these connections complex, teachers ultimately won't satisfy the students' desires to connect to history with the world around them. And this is often what happens, right? It's an, even, even teachers that don't want to do this, it winds up being a drag and drop method. Teachers have to take the lead in creating an environment for students to make these connections. Because as adults with greater knowledge about the world, students are relying on us to provide perspectives about how the world has come to be. That is our, that's our um, responsibility as educators. Teaching history so there's opportunities for meaningful learning is teaching that prioritizes the connections that students make between the complex world around them. This student-centric focus makes Canadian history teaching more complicated, but ultimately fundamentally more meaningful for what students need for the future. So in my remaining time, I want to talk about one example that I had. I worked in two Canadian history classes. Um, one Canadian history class that I worked in, the teacher was, uh, uh, was known as being a great teacher. She's been awarded on many different levels for her history teaching. Um, and we came in uh, testing an intervention, um, and she was excited to test it in this particular class because she called it her crazy class, and the students were just not connecting. So the majority of the students in this class were students who were people of color, who often articulated their understanding of their identities as opposed to Canadian norms. That was very important for them to say, I am not a Canadian in this way. I am a Jamaican. I am, um, uh, I am someone from the Philippines. 
Although many of these students were referred to as immigrant students by their teachers, including the one I worked with, um, students were actually first and second generation Canadians. And they just had these other ties to, to other countries that allowed them to situate themselves in a safe place in that classroom because they were already, uh, they were already constructed as not being Canadians through that lens. So the teacher saw them as immigrants, but the students themselves were not at all. So for these students, complexity defined their identity in Canada. For these students, they were not home nor were they away either, and often it was their teachers by be either implicitly or explicitly stating who and what was Canadian ratified students' liminality by ignoring the ethnocultural complexities that the students embodied. Students in, students in the class expressed a lot of anger that they were not learning the Canadian history that reflected them as, as Canadians. And so they would often act out with behaviors that demonstrated they didn't want to be there. The teacher then thought that they didn't want to be there and that they didn't want to learn history. But I found consistently that the key is that when teachers found it hard, if not impossible, to visualize Canadian history that connected with the complexity of students' past, presents, and futures. Then students found it hard, if not impossible, to show respect to a Canadian history class that failed to, re that failed to reflect the complexities of their past, presents, and futures in Canada. And so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I had students, um, I'm just looking at the time. Uh, so for example, I had, I had students that were saying, what do you think is the purpose of studying history? And they said, I don't see the point, considering the fact I don't learn my own history. If it's not about my background history, I won't get involved with it. They only talk about white folks, and black folks don't play a role in the history that we learn at the school. These are anonymous surveys, but the majority of the students were black students from, um, from mainly with familial ties to the Caribbean. So we can assume that most of these statements are from black students. But what the teacher did to connect students to their grassroots, and that's her quote, is that she would show them pictures of the school area in World War II, and in order to connect them with this idea of black history, she would say, look, there's no black people in this picture. And she would just pause like that. And, or she would say, who's not represented in this picture? And students would say, black people. That's easy. Like, they continuously said things like that. That's easy. Black people couldn't do anything. Those things were said under their breath. The teacher wasn't able to pick that up. She didn't know what to do with it. And then, when students asked questions about the first interracial um, couple in Canada or where Toronto got its name, the, student, the teacher identified that as misfiring and quickly wanted to get back on track. So students don't want those questions that are easy. They don't want those stories that they are easy. They want stories that demonstrate that complexity. Yes, connection is important. It's easy to say add black history and stir, but that complexity, that brings counter stories. If there's one black veteran on the wall, explore the ideas that, or explore the connections that he would have had with a large black community in the 1940s. But without the complexity, the connections are gone. And without that complexity, there is no sense of we in Canadian history. And that will, that will make it difficult to, to teach and learn Canadian history that has possibilities for new ways of being in Canada in the future. So I would like to thank you for, uh, 
thank you for your attendance today. Um, uh, more of these ideas are expressed in my upcoming book, but also if you visit my website, you'll see some of my publications as well as some webinars that I've done. Uh, I also do consulting around these issues. Um, but my focus is how to, to ensure that students, students that say things like, okay, yeah, I live in Canada, I guess I'm a Canadian, but I'm not a white man. These students are also being reflected in our, in our content and instruction in our classrooms. And that often comes down to educators who make the commitment and willingness to explore what connection and complexity means to them and to their students. Thank you.